How are we doing, Emmanuel? We good this morning? Come on, give me some love here. How are we doing this morning? We good? We good? All right. All right. I feel you now. That's good. I'm going to need that feedback here throughout the talk. I'll tell you where that's going to come. Uh, welcome to Emmanuel. If it's your first time here, uh, my name is Matt. I'm the Greenwood Campus Pastor here. Uh, Danny is out this week, but he's coming back next week with a brand new series called Get a Grip. Uh, I'm fired up about that talk, uh, not the talk, the series, because uh, there's some really good stuff that Danny's been planning on and working on. Uh, and so I hope that you'll come back next week, bring your friends as well. Welcome to everybody joining us online on our live stream. Uh, you're here for the 1115 service, and so we're glad to have you. Uh, we're doing an espresso shot weekend, which basically means we're going to give you an espresso shot, kind of a jam-packed uh, session on a particular issue. This week is joy. But before we get to that, I want to recognize something that we've heard a lot from you about over the last week or so, uh, and that's that uh, what the church happens to be doing in relationship to uh, Hurricane Harvey and the devastation going on in Texas, uh, Louisiana, and the surrounding areas. And so uh, we actually heard from, uh, from a family this week that a four-year-old girl gave up her birthday party uh, to raise bottles of water to send down uh, to, uh, to Houston which is incredible, and we kept getting questions as well about what we're doing. So I want to make sure you know what we are doing. Uh, for those of you that come prepared to give every week and you bring the tithe to the church, I want you to know that you've already had an impact in the work that's going on down there. See, we partner with a group called Samaritan's Purse, and so uh, I wanted you to know that we have made a contribution, a significant one, from the church as a whole. Uh, every dollar that you give here at Emmanuel uh, helps to not only provide for environments like this, but also doing work in our community and throughout our world. And previously, we've worked with Samaritan's Purse as a, an organization that we know that does great Jesus-based work efficiently, and they do it well uh, throughout the world, but they'll also be, actually, they're already on the ground uh, down serving our brothers and sisters and our neighbors down in the Texas and Louisiana area. So I wanted you to know that you have already made a contribution. Now, if you feel like God has placed an additional burden on top of you bringing the tithe to the church uh, and what you would be do doing to support what's going on down there, I just want to encourage you. We know this group and know them well, and they do excellent work. So maybe you'll consider Samaritan's Purse above and beyond uh, what you've brought to, the, uh, to God's work here through Emmanuel. So I wanted to make sure everybody knows that, and obviously and, and that we are all consistently in prayer uh, for our brothers and sisters down there. So thank you for supporting your church so that we can support efforts like that. Now, we're here to talk about joy this weekend. And so I'm going to need some feedback here and there throughout the talk today. And so I'm going to make it really easy for you. We're talking about joy. So if your answer to that is amen, yes, uh-huh, or a hand raise, I want you all to respond the same way for me so I know we're all paying attention. And that's simply Y-E-P, which is yep, okay? So here's the question. You ready? You ready? You ready? How many of you want more joy in your life? Do you really want more joy in your life? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Some of you at home in your living rooms uh, just got awkward there uh, for your neighbors. Uh, but no, we all want more joy in our lives. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about joy today. I'm actually, I'm a little more excited than usual because I get to share with you some of the most fun I think that I've probably ever had in my life. And that's why I want to point you to the first fill-in in your notes right away this week. Uh, because I want you to fill in something from your own perspective. And that very simply is this. Joy is. Joy is is. I want you to think of the most exciting thing in your life, the most precious thing. I want you to think about whether it's the face of your grandbabies. I want you to think of it's, if it's that A plus on the exam that you never studied for. I want you to think about, uh, I don't know, the food that you love so much that you wish you could stop eating so much of chocolate. Uh, whatever it is in your life that's exciting, that just fires you up, I want you to write that in or be thinking about that in that blank for joy 
is. And the reason I tell you that is because I have, I got some fun to share with you. See, if you've heard me up here on this stage before, I've told some stories here and there about some fun I've got to do in, uh, before coming back to ministry uh, for a career. Uh, I told you about some awesome golf that I got to play and uh, some other cool things. Uh, but today, today, I, I, it's, it's uh, cherry on top of the Sunday, people. So I'm going to show you the awesomeness, the top tier, the super high joy that I've experienced before in my previous job. And it's this. That's right. I'm in a fire suit. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Hey, I grew up, I grew up the son of a race car driver. I say that. My dad would be embarrassed for me to say that. Uh, my dad back in the late 70s, early 80s uh, was a race car driver, dirt tracks around Western Indiana. So uh, if you know what the smell of Putnamville dirt is, you and I can be friends. Uh, we, I spent a lot of time at racetracks early on. And so speed's kind of built into me. It's like a, racing's just kind of something that's built into my soul, I guess you could say. And so in my previous life, I got the opportunity to take part in what's called the Indy Racing Experience. Now, what it is, is that uh, you strap a fire suit on, which is cool enough. They put a helmet on you and then they sit you behind a professional race car driver. Now, I don't know, I don't know about you, but let me set this up a little bit. So literally, like, this is not a lie. This is a true story every single time in my life so far. That if you go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and you turn into the 16th Street entrance, which goes underneath the racetrack, if you know what I'm talking about, say yeah. Okay, I get cold chills every single time I drive under that tunnel. I know I'm weird, but I just love the place. I love the history. I love the smell. I love the speed. So this day, like any other, I got cold chills going under, the, uh, going under that tunnel, but then I got to sit behind a professional race car driver and do 185 miles an hour around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for three laps. Now, there aren't real words like to that, like what that feels like. Uh, it's, more, it, it, it's more like really the only thing I can focus on uh, was keeping my head straight. Because at 185, your body sits like out here somewhere on the outside of the race, you feel like it does, and your head the whole time's going like this. <laughs> so in your mind, you're like, yay, don't look, don't look. Um, and it was amazing, it was absolutely amazing. But, but guys, that, that, wasn't, that really wasn't the best. You see, after that, after that, part of the experience I got was that I got to step into this red race car back here, and I got to follow, no, 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 I stepped into the red race car by myself, and I got to drive an Indy car. They only give you third gear because you'd kill yourself if they gave you more. I would. So they give you third gear, and you get to do three laps on your own at 135 miles an hour at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. <sighs> True story. They build these cars so they can fit a multitude of people, obviously, because they're a bunch of fans and people. So uh, you guys, if you've been around here a little bit, Danny's a couple inches taller than me. He's actually about this tall. That's how tall Danny is, pretty much. They literally bring out the small table for me when I, when I speak. <laughs> so I sit in here, and the seat's built for about a six-footer, which, which I am not. So I literally, I literally reached so far and mashed my foot down so hard against the floor of the race car that I pulled my calf muscle. I limped for three days. <laughs> I limped for three. It was so much fun. I, could, I, like, I can't put words to it. So for me, if I'm filling in that blank, joy for me is 135 miles an hour around the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And as we set up and we talk about joy today, here's what I want you to know as well, that if I fill that into the blank right there in joy, I also have to do something else. I got to put the word not on top because guys, joy is not 135 miles an hour. It's not 185 either, but it's not 135 miles an hour on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 
And we're going to talk about joy in this level today because when I asked you, you said you wanted more joy in your life, right? And you said, okay. For our online crowd, I knew you were louder than they were live. So when I asked you if you want more joy, what'd you say? So let's get more joy. We got to figure out what it is and how we get it, how we keep it. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time doing today. So the next feeling in your notes, we're going to talk about what joy is. And here's what it is. Joy is pervasive. Joy is pervasive and it's rooted in God's love. It's pervasive. It pervades. It lasts. It sticks beyond anything else, any all circumstances in your life. Joy, that level of joy is that and it's rooted in God's love. There's an author that we reference around here a lot. His name's Dallas Willard. Uh, What he was so good at is taking some of the most complex issues in our spiritual life and boiling them down to words we can really understand. Here's what he says about the idea of joy. He says, joy is natural in the presence of God's love. Joy is a pervasive sense, not just a thought of well-being, of overall and ultimate well-being. And I'll boil it down even a little bit more. You see, joy is the level of it's all good. Joy is the level of, no, I'm good. I got this. God's got this. In your life. It's that level in your life in which joy is the backstop from circumstances in your life. And we also know that it's rooted in God's love. It is rooted in God's love, and we know that because of the words of Jesus. And I'm going to set this up a little bit. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus responds to his disciples after he had sent them out Uh, He'd sent a bunch of disciples out to go do some awesome work uh, in the communities and areas around where he was. He gave them the power to like heal sicknesses and cast out demons and all this kinds of incredible stuff. So they come back to Jesus and they're fired up. They had just done 185 around the IMS. They had just come back fired up telling Jesus, oh, you will, it was was incredible. Even the evil spirits, Jesus, obey our words. It's incredible. And you'd think that Jesus would respond with something like, that's exactly what I sent you for. Well done. Great job but he doesn't. You see, he takes what their feeling of their joy is, the things that they were doing, and he tells them what they should really be focused on when they have joy, and it's this. He says, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. That's awesome. But rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus takes a moment with his disciples when they're at the highest of highs. They did the most incredible things that they had done along the way in their ministry with him. And he reminds them that your joy, rejoice, that's where it comes from, that the the act of experiencing joy should be rooted in the fact that we are saved, that we are secure in our salvation, that our trust is rooted in Jesus. As we talk the rest of the day, I want to make sure we understand this idea that our trust in Jesus. The level of our trust in Jesus is where we root our joy, our pervasive sense of well-being. So then the question obviously is, well, well, how do we get it? How do we find joy and how do we keep it? So how do we find it and how do we keep it? Well, now some of you right now, you're fighting, I know you're fighting with me and you have been since I said the word joy today, because if, if I said, where is the joy? And I said, well, where is your joy, 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 joy? Some of you would respond with, down in your hearts. So the whole time I've been talking, you've been completely ignoring it and singing a, uh, you've been singing a Sunday school song in your head. So yes, 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 yes. Uh, The joy, 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 joy is down in some of your hearts. Okay, now can we all reel it back? Can we reel it back now? We're good. We're good. All right. It's down in our hearts. But number one in your notes. I want to tell you how we keep a level of joy increasing in our life to start with. And that's this, that joy comes as we remain in 
Jesus. Joy comes as we remain in Jesus, as we stay stuck to him, as we connect with Jesus. And I want to set up a a story in John chapter 15. You see, uh, Jesus used lots of examples and analogies and metaphors to teach the things that he was trying to get his disciples to understand. And one of those is an agricultural reference. So I want to make sure that we see uh, some kind of picture of where Jesus might have been referring to or maybe even was walking through as he was talking to his disciples about John 15. Here it is. This is a vineyard. Now, lots of grapes going around here. This would have been a very common scene uh, 2,000 years ago in between places to go because wine was a pretty significant part of their culture. It was just what they happened to drink regularly uh, with meals. So this was a common scene. So as we approach John 15, I want you to think in, the, in, in this vein, okay, uh, through the idea of a vineyard. Here's what Jesus says about remaining in him. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be, say it with me, fruitful unless you remain in me. He goes on to say, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Some of you didn't know joy was fruity, but joy is fruity. You see, Jesus is using this, and there are other parts of the story as well, where he makes a very clear distinction between what it looks like to remain in him or to stay connected to him and what that looks like in your life. So this, my friends, is what Jesus uses to explain the idea, if we stay connected to him, we will produce much fruit. Later on in scripture, we're told that joy is a product or a fruit of the Holy Spirit, staying connected to him. So Jesus uses this example and he says, hey guys, listen, you want to look like this big bunch of grapes? You want to be super fruitful, hanging on the vine? Stay connected to the vine, which is me. He also says the opposite is true as well. Don't stay connected to the vine, and this is what we can experience in our lives. Some of us walked in today, and this is, this is the level of a joy in our life, the level at which we are, we're all good, the level at which circumstances cannot hit us hard and knock us down. So Jesus uses this example that we should remain in him. And before I tell you how we remain in him, it's important to note why Jesus would say these things to begin with. Jesus didn't bring on these these metaphors, these examples, these teachings, just so we could say, oh man, that was good. Jesus, that was was really good wisdom, man. Great, great sermon. Appreciate it. No, no, no. He did it so we could plug them into our lives. And he tells us that in John 15, verse 11, specifically to joy. Here's what he said. Right after that, he said, "I I have told you these things. I've taught you these things. I've spent my life and my time with you for this reason, so that you will be filled with my, say it with me, joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. How many of you want some Jesus joy in your life? That's what I'm talking about. Well done. Danny's going to be so impressed when he comes back. (laughs) Jesus says, you can have my joy. Right after he says, remain in me. So the first thing we got to get real today is that we got to remain in Jesus because that's the source, the root of our joy. How do we do it? Well, you hear us talk about it all the time from this stage. How important it is to spend time with God. Sounds fluffy, sounds spiritual. No, seriously, it's a minimum like five, 10 minutes a day separated to be reading what he says about us and our life. I can't underestimate the power of five minutes a day in God's word and what it will do for you. It's about that time separated. So Danny's talked about ref- uh, recently the idea of the Sabbath right? Taking time aside from the work, the pressure, the stress, the doing of the world, setting time aside away so that we can do those things, 
so that we can lift a God that concerns the stuff that's going on in our world, that we can separate to hear what he has to say about the path that we're walking in this world. Now, some of us would love to say, <laughs> a day, like a whole day of the week? Are you kidding me? Now, listen, I know what you're saying because I'm renovating a house. I get one day off a week. And if you told me that I have to spend that entire day, guess what happens? There are hammers that need to be swung. Like I got insulation to hang. And so, so some of us would be okay to start with a Sabbath mentality. Just the mentality of saying, okay, sometime this week, I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to set aside some part of my day from doing of the world. And so this week, I'm going to challenge you. If, you. if you don't have a Sabbath mentality plugged into your week, whether or not that's a whole day or not to start with, I want to encourage you to do it. Because just like we employ a Sabbath around here for the health and well-being of this church as a staff, I want to encourage you that you can do the same as well. Now, getting that joy by staying connected to or remaining or abiding in Jesus is not enough. I know some of you are thinking blasphemy right now, but the joy of Jesus just for ourselves is not what we are called to. And it's to number two in your notes this week. We keep our joy. I would dare say that we even, we run the risk of increasing our joy when we become a person for and with others. The backstop, you hear me here, the backstop, the thing that helps us, helps our joy from fading away, the backstop is being a person for and with other people. And we get a picture of this idea uh, late in Jesus' ministry in Matthew chapter, 20, uh, chapter 16, excuse me. He's talking to his disciples after he's uh, back and forth with them about some things that are going to be happening. And the disciples start to respond in ways in which they're logical or they think selfishly about what Jesus is saying. They're thinking about the way the world says things should work. And Jesus responds to one of his disciples very sharply. And here's what he says about this idea, the way that we think about the world and what it says and what he is talking about this life is all about. Here's what he says. He says, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? He's asking these questions on purpose. Because look, some of us walked in today, some of us walked in today doing what the world says will give you joy. Would I be a little bit happier if you strapped me in a race car every day that I had off during like every Friday if I went and just sat in a race car and did some laps? I probably would be a little happier. I'm not going to lie to you. But is my joy going to increase? No. Here's why. Joy is a spiritual issue. Joy is a soul issue. The backstop in your life for the, way the, for the way the world crushes down on us week in and week out, the backstop of that is joy, and joy is a soul issue. So what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, hey, listen, this idea what the world says to go get yours, go get yours, go get that vacation, you've earned it, Go get that new car, it'll make you happy. That next job, that next promotion, being a little bit more popular. Those things, those things are what the world says will increase that level in your life of it's all good, it's contentment, it's peace, it's patience and self-control. All those things is what the world says. And Jesus says, mm -mm, nope, nope. All of those things are gaining the whole world. Yet some of us walked in today with our joy looking like this because we're forfeiting our soul. If we want to take care of our soul in relationship to joy, I got to tell you, you have to be for others with that joy. 
Here's what I mean. You see, we believe that everybody around here at Emmanuel has an impact to make in the world. We just believe that to be true. We believe God has designed us to have an impact. Our job when we soak in that joy from remaining in Jesus is not to hoard that for ourselves. I'm going to tell you about a guy I know named Gabe. We'll call him Big Gabe. Big Gabe's a freshman in high school, and if you've been around a little bit, you might have seen a video uh, recently in the summer where we featured uh, some work that he does in our children's ministry. You see, Big Gabe, growing up at Emmanuel, he struggled in some of the bigger environments that we had. So like the large group where all the kids are singing and lots of noise and all that kind of having fun. He, when he was little, he struggled a little bit with that. It was just a little overpowering. And he found a way to make it work, and he stuck with the children's ministry, ended up having a, a great time, but he just kind of struggled in that environment. Gabe's a high school freshman at Center Grove. He could probably stay in bed every weekend till about 11 o'clock and make it to church by 11.15. I bet that would be true. But that's not the choice that Gabe makes. You see, Gabe knows what it's like to soak up some joy for himself. All the students in the room here know what that's like. You're plugging in, you're going to your verb nights, you're soaking in some of that stuff, but you know it's not all about you. You see, Big Gabe heard about a little Gabe a little boy named Gabe in our children's ministry here at the Greenwood campus, and he heard that he was struggling to kind of get connected to the children's ministry large environments, just like he did when he was little. And so with that in front of him, he, he decided that, hey, this whole Jesus thing is not just about me. So Gabe made a choice to be for somebody else. So instead of staying in bed till 11 o'clock, like every teenager would love to do on a Sunday morning, Gabe wakes up early, shows up and serves in our children's ministry regularly, loving on little Gabe. And little Gabe now has a comfortable, loving home in our children's ministry where he might not have had before. That's what it means to be for others with the joy. And I will tell you from personal experience, and Gabe happens to be sitting in this room today, he would tell you to your face that it increases the backstop of joy in his life. And if one of our high school freshmen can figure that, figure that out, come on, adults, can't we? That's why we're so crazy about the growth track. We know it's not something else that you just have to do in your week. We know it's because it's powerful. Because if you just give us four hours over four weeks, whichever ones are convenient for you, and you help what it, we help you kind of unpack what it means to trust in Jesus fully, but then eventually that you have an impact to make in this world, and we try, to, we try our best to make sure that you discover how God built you so you make the impact that's the best fit for you. So if you're not being a person that's for others, you're not really owning that whole joy thing. And so I want to encourage you this week that maybe that's your action step to consider that. But you see, there's a whole other half to what we already said, is that joy is about being for and with others as well. You see, you got to be with others. And I want to show you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 why I think this is true and why it's only one little piece of all the scripture that we have that points to this. Here's what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. He's writing to them, and in chapter 5, he's using some time to encourage them. You see, he'd been hearing about some things they'd been doing really well. So he says, therefore, encourage each other and build each other up just as you were already doing. You see, in those previous four chapters, Paul was bragging on them. He was saying, listen, I came to you and I gave you the truth of Jesus and you soaked it up. You did so many amazing things. I hear that you're doing amazing things. And as he's writing this to this church, these churches back then were people that were living around each other every single day. It wasn't a once a week kind of affair. These people were in community together. And so he wants to make sure that he's encouraging them and doing them and doing for them what they needed to know, which is saying, listen, listen, when you're doing this, you're doing it right. 
So it shouldn't surprise you that we're all about getting smaller groups of us together outside of the weekend service. We call that small groups. Today's the last, uh, today's the last open day of registration uh, at, for our next 10-week semester for small groups. We'll launch another semester in January and another semester after spring break. And we are so passionate about this because we know that it works. All throughout Scripture, practically speaking, every word after the Gospels was intended was intended for groups of people to process together, to learn how to love Jesus together, learn how to figure out how do we live this mess of this life together with other people. And so you hear us talk about it. We, hear it, we, we encourage you to jump into small groups. It's one thing to hear it from me, but for some of you, you might still be skeptical. And you might say, oh, great, yes, like I need some other thing to do during the week. Thanks a lot, Matt. What if I told you the science backs up what Scripture has said for 2,000 years? This book's called uh, Move Toward the Mess. I'm working through it. I'm working through it for some stuff we're going to be presenting to our small group leaders coming up. And there's a, there's a piece in here where it talks about this idea of, of life together. You see, there was this thing done called the Longevity Project. The Longevity Project was started in 1921 at Stanford University. And these scientists, not from a spiritual perspective, but they tried to figure out what, do, what does a successful life look like? What does content life look like? What does a profitable, and oh, by the way, how do we live a, bit, a little bit longer in this life? Here's what they found. Having a large social network, giving back to your community, nurturing a healthy marriage or close friendships can do more than add many years to your life. Together, they represent the living with, say it with me, purpose that comes from working hard, reaching out to others, and bouncing back from difficult times. You see, they spent 80 years studying people about what helps you live longer, but oh, by the way, what makes you happy, what makes you content. And what they found in that study is that not only does this help you live longer, numerically speaking, but it will help you do these things. How many of you would love to just bounce back from difficult times quickly? Yeah, there you go. Of course we would. We would love to be able to bounce back from the life that we have when, when it just hits us from behind. Of course we would. I know that to be true from small group, not because of Scripture and what it says, not because I know that the science backs it up in the Longevity Project. I actually know it to be true from my own personal life. And I want to show you just a little snippet. We could talk all day about my small group experience, but we won't, just a couple minutes. I want to show you nine pictures that I just plucked. I could throw 120 different people on this screen. But I just plucked some from social media this week, and I want to show you. These are people that in my, in my spiritual life as an adult, I've been able to connect with in small group. Guy in the top left corner is actually preaching a sermon at a multi-site church in Kentucky right now. Mark, holla if you watch him. But I want to point to the bottom left-hand corner, you see, because before I had come to Emmanuel, I was part of a, as my wife and I were engaged, and we were uh, just preparing to get married and just married, we met a couple named Scott and Jody Bridges. And Scott, and Scott and Jody don't go here, but we were part of a small group back then. And during that small group time that we had with them as a very young married couple, Scott and Jody were in a period of 10 years struggling to get and stay pregnant. And my interaction with them, my relationship with them taught me how do I love my wife in the midst of some of the hardest pain and the hardest struggles of life? We hadn't even thought about kids yet. And yet we were able to encourage them and lift them up. Years later, we'd come to Emmanuel. 
And we get plugged into a small group after a few months of hanging around here, realizing we needed to jump into a small group. And we happen to meet Jonathan and Tiffany Batts. Jonathan and Tiffany are small group leaders around here. They still are. We had a great time with them uh, over the course of, uh, I want to say it was about a year or so in the end. I'm probably wrong because I get all those wrong. My wife will correct me later. But you see, we met Jonathan and Tiffany. And one day after leaving small group, Jonathan caught me as I was heading out the door. And he said, man, he's like, we love you guys and you are awesome, but, but you really should think about leading a group. People are coming to Emmanuel left and right. We're growing. God's doing awesome things. And, and I think you should consider leading a small group. We said, okay, all right, we'll pray about it. We prayed about it. We felt God saying, yep, let's go do it. So we jumped into leading a small group. Had that conversation not happened, I don't stand on this stage. You should think about that for a second. Ten years later, that conversation doesn't exist. I'm not here. But we met them. And then we happened to a small group. A bunch of other people join our small group from time to time. We run into Daryl and Meredith Sweeney. Sweeney, excuse me. They live in Louisville, Kentucky now. They were at Emmanuel for a while. They were in our group. They were young and married and naive, and it was awesome to watch. <laughs> but they jump in, and uh, soon after joining our group, uh, they decided they want to try to have kids. They would struggle to get and stay pregnant. We lost our first little boy while they were in our small group. They encouraged us. They built us up. They loved us not even having any clue that someday they might struggle from the same thing. I'm happy to report that they have two beautiful boys. The first one was born with cystic fibrosis. You think that we encouraged them and built them up in that time? Yep. Within the last couple of weeks, I strapped on a super tight bike suit and I went and rode 26 miles in a ride for cystic fibrosis because of those people. It's not normal for me to strap super tight stuff on and go ride my bike a bunch. <laughs> this stuff's not just, it's not just because we think you need something else to do. It's not. It's because we know that it works. If you don't believe me, look at scripture. If you don't believe scripture, well, something's wrong with you. But if you don't believe scripture, <laughs> look at the science. The science backs it up. So you got me trying not to cry, which is weird enough. Secondly, you got science. And third, you have the word of God saying, listen, this life is a mess. It's going to be a mess. Your choice is whether or not you will provide a backstop for joy in your life. Your choice is whether you will remain in Jesus, hang on to it, and protect it by surrounding yourself with people who are just as messy as you are. I know, I know, some of you right now are thinking small groups like Kumbaya every week and like tea and cookies or like Deepest Darkest Secrets on week one. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not that. And all you small group people know that to be true. I know you know that. It's just living life with each other. The reason that we get passionate about this stuff, the reason that it like strikes at the depths of my heart, that I can't say words that will really explain what my heart's trying to tell you right now, the reason we're so passionate about it is because what Dallas Willard says about joy after he talks about all the awesomeness about it. Here's what Dallas says about the idea. He says, here again, even knowing all the awesomeness about joy, where it comes from, how to go get it, how to protect it, we must not be, say it with me, passive. We may allow, see that, we may allow joy to dissipate. 
it is our option to look at the greatness and goodness of God and what he will do in our lives. Joy is a choice. There's not enough good, there's not enough dump trucks of good that's just going to roll up to your front door and dump off a bunch of joy in the middle of your life. It's not, that's not how it works. Jesus knew it and he told us. He told us on purpose. Joy is a choice. It requires action. And so this week I simply challenge you in that. I challenge you in it. Some of us have a hard time remaining connected to Jesus in his teachings, what he says about us. And because we struggle with that, our joy looks a lot like this. Yet what Jesus says is, guys, this is available to you. This is the abundant life. This is the eternal life part. This is the, a lot more than just going to heaven when you die part that I have for you when it comes to joy. And it's perfectly laid out. Will you remain in him this week? Will you dedicate that time, set aside some time, maybe put some Sabbath mentality into your day? Are you going to be a person that's for others or are you going to hoard it all for yourself? And are you going to do the hard work to make some time available for just 10 weeks just 10 weeks to give us a chance in a semester of small group to show you what it's like to live life with other people. That's a choice that you can make. You got tough questions around here at every Emmanuel campus in the lobby or in the back of the auditorium. We've just put some small group people out there. Come ask us some questions. If you've got hard questions about what small groups like, we've got leaders out there, we've got staff out there, you can ask those questions. At myeclife.org, it's crazy simple to join a small group. Our IT team and operations folks have literally made it so easy that like, it's, I don't even have to explain as much as go to myeclife.org, plug in the day of the week that's convenient for you, the campus that you want to hang with. For all of you around here, you just choose Greenwood. You say, all right, I'm married with teenagers. Every group that fits that model, every group that fits what you want out of a small group pops up on a map. Dead serious. It's a map that shows you every available small group that's got spaces just for you. You'll even get to see the, the name of your leader. You get to hear what they're all about a little bit, what they do in group. We've got a whole bio ready for you. So we're trying to break down every possible barrier so that you know that, hey, listen, it's worth living this mess with other people. That's how we get stronger. That's how we take the joy we get from Jesus and we protect it and we grow it. And when life hits you with a ton of bricks, you're backed up by people who have you to lift up and support. So the choice is yours this week. For some of us that came today or some of us that are listening online, there's a different choice that I kind of glossed over way, way, way early on. And you see, that's a choice that for those of us that have trusted Jesus, those of us who've bought our ticket on the J train, if you want to be a little cheesy, we've made that choice. So I talk, when I talk about joy and coming from Jesus, for some of us that makes sense and we need to do some harder work. But for some of us, for some of us, it's, it's, it's a, a choice that, that has yet to be made. All that stuff that I said about trusting in Jesus is just as valuable for you as it is for somebody that's been uh, riding along with Jesus for 30, 40 years. And so today I just want to provide an opportunity for you to make that choice for the first time. Because you see, the backstop in my life is rooted in the idea. It's rooted in this security that I have, which is Jesus. That I can be, it's all good. 
So right now, if you're in a spot where you're ready to make that choice, it's simple. It's so simple. It's just a conversation between you and God. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift up some, some words. You can join me in those if you struggle to have the words on your own, but I want to encourage you that you can speak directly to God where you're at. And for those of us that have already made this decision to trust in Jesus, we know it's a mess that takes time and work for us every day. But I want you to take this moment to pray for those whose hearts are in a position where God is there and all they're waiting on is an answer. So will you all join me in a moment of prayer? Jesus, we come to you today. And Lord, I come to you today thanking you for the actions and the choices that you made so that I can be forgiven. Jesus, I've stacked up a lot of wrong, a lot of hurt, a lot of debt. And I know that when you lived this life and you went to that cross, that you took all of that on you. Jesus, I don't deserve it. And I know there's nothing I can do to, to repay. But to start, I just want to trust in that today. Jesus, I, I don't have all the answers yet. But today I want to make a choice to begin trusting you. To figure it out. To walk this life. Jesus, I know that you promised me that you'll be along with me. And, and I ask for that right now. Walk alongside me as I begin to trust you. Forgive me for my sins and give me a new path forward. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. If today's a day that, that you made that choice, it's not an easy one, and I know that. And it's going to feel weird, it's going to feel different, but I want to encourage you right off the bat because we're told in that word of God we are told that there is celebration in heaven for every single you that makes that choice. And as a church, we're not satisfied with just saying good for you. We wanna celebrate right now with you and get that party started for you right now. And if you make a choice today, we wanna to put a gift in your hands, in your hands this morning, actually, on your way out. You see, I hope that you'll take a bold step and, and you'll go back and talk to our folks at the starting point tables in the back of our auditorium. Because I want to put a one-year New Testament in your hands because we know, and I've already talked about it, that this life's a mess. And a choice to follow Jesus doesn't erase all that mess. It just means that we have a source for that joy that can overcome it all. And so I want to get you started right away and your time with God, day in and day out, so just five, 10 minutes a day, we're gonna give you a one-year New Testament that you can take home with you. And they're also gonna to talk to you about Starting Point. See, Starting Point is just a conversational environment. It's a lot like a small group. It's just four weeks where you can learn to dig into what Jesus says about you, what it looks like to start trusting him some more, to ask the hard questions maybe that you've had along the way. So they'll tell you about that, and I wanna encourage you in Starting Point. For all the rest of us that that have been living this life, this journey for a long time, guess what? We got questions. Some of them are hard that we haven't had answered and maybe you don't hear them all the time from this stage. So starting point's just as valuable for those of you who have some tough questions or wanna walk along some other people to figure out those basic steps of faith. And so if that's you, I just wanna say myeclife.org has all the information about starting point kicking off in October. And I wanna encourage you, if that's you, jump in. 
Listen, we love you as a church and sometimes we say hard stuff and when we walk in with some joy that we want and, and I hear a loud yep from you, I'm gonna get fired up telling you about how to go get it. So my question for you this week is, are you gonna go get some joy? Yeah. You gonna decide to finally not soak it all up for yourself and be a person for and hanging out with other people? Yeah. That was a little softer and I know why, it's okay. It's okay, you got some work to do. I encourage you this week. I'm gonna lift up a prayer challenging God in our lives this week to make it bold and evident. And I wanna tell you, those folks outside are ready to answer any question that you got. And I hope you'll take this stuff to heart. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we come to you today grateful. We can just stand in a place and talk about you openly and love on you and know that you are active in all things in this world, that you are always at work. And so Lord, we just ask that in that work this week that you challenge us. You challenge us to step out of that comfort zone and, and, uh, and hang with other people if that's where we need to be. Lord, I know first and foremost, we gotta stay connected to you. And so I just pray that you put into our hearts that this weekend experience, as awesome as it is, that the, 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 the teachings that you give us from Jesus that we hear week in and week out, that's not just enough. That's just not enough. That we have to spend time with you every day for you to give us that path forward. So Lord, I ask that you make that bold and clear in our lives this week, that we need you every day. We love you, Jesus. We love you for the work that we get to do as this local church and as work is being done all over the world. It's in your name we pray, amen. Have a great week.